Episode 237 for July 2013. This episode of the Spider-Man Crawl Space Podcast is sponsored by CollectionDrawer.com. They're the strongest storage container for your comics, and they're basically like a filing cabinet with no more stacking boxes on top of the lids and no more back pain lifting them up to get your favorite book. Collection Drawer also has several other cool products like box sort upright dividers. They make sure that your comics don't fall forward or backwards in the box and damaging them. They also have short and long boxes for your comics needs, and they have boxes that will fit both magazines and slabbed comics too. And you can stack the drawer boxes six high and secure them with a box lock. They're small plastic locks that prevent the top row from falling forward, and it also makes your overall tower of comics more secure. So check them out at CollectionDrawer.com, and when you're filling out your order form, put in the comment section that you heard it on the Crawl Space Podcast. I appreciate it, gang. Welcome back, Crawl Spacers, to our second show of the month. We'll start this one with Chris talking about writer Dan Slott's future on Superior Spider-Man. Someone on uh, CBR's message board said that he thought that Dan Slott was going to end his Spider-Man run in 2015, and Slott himself popped up and made a post that said, uh, it's something I've never said. I'm, I'm not going to keep doing that voice, actually. Do the whole thing. Uh, I, I, I have no... Oh, I wish you'd do the voice. I love the voice, the slot voice. Uh, all right, Brad, for you. Thank you very for much. You. There. Do, do the slot for me. It's something I've never said. I have no plans to leave the book at any point in the foreseeable <laughs> future. I've wanted to be on this title my whole life. I have no desire nor inclination to walk away from it. And just for the record, that doesn't—that isn't anything like what Slot sounds like. But I, well, I, it's I, a, like, like it sounds like he would if he was on the crapper and he was straining. As he tweets. Yeah. Well, um, oh. I, I, I for one don't really—I wasn't surprised that he posted this because I think he's been pretty consistent saying that this is his dream job and he—he he would have to have his dead body dragged off the title in order to, in order to ever stop. So I, I have my suspicion that um, this became a news story to Brad because maybe you are disappointed at the prospect of a long-term slot run going forward. Is that Would that be accurate? I would Yes, I would like a different writer on the book. Yeah, that, I think that's a fair, accurate representation <laughs> of my feelings. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I, I think it's news. It's him saying, nope, I'm not going ta- to leave this job anytime soon. Yeah, yeah. So. <laughs> well, I, mean, I, I, think, I agree with Chris. Awkward that silence, but go ahead, Don. I, go think, ahead. I think Thought's been very candid about, you know, his, his – he's, he's a Spider-Man fanboy. He's a raving, raving yes. – hyperventilating Spider-Man fanboy, and there's nothing wrong with that. Um, I personally would like to see somebody else tackle Spider-Man because I've had a little bit of dance slot goes a long way. But, like, at the same time, you know, 
the guy set out to achieve what he wanted to do, and he and he achieved it uh, by any means necessary. So, like, I mean, you really can't fault the guy for saying that. I mean, like, I don't know if, if – I, I, I doubt that, like, Dan Slott's run will last, like, 10 years. I, 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 I'd be damned if that was going to happen. But I do see, like, you know, he'll be probably gone for, like, like three years-ish. I don't know. I can't see him on there forever. And, I mean, I can't see, like – as as indulgent as Marvel is for their Marvel, the company is for their friends and writers. I can't see them having him do Spider Man that much because I don't know. I, I think Slot for a lot of his ideas and as much people do love his run. Um, like 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 I can't see like people wanting to read that type of Spider Man forever. Like you know, JMS was on there for six years, and like you know, granted the, the last half of his run was you know uh, mired in crossovers, but like. That type, that take on J, uh, Spider-Man, which which I do love, it's my favorite run. But you wouldn't want to read that that for like ten years or whatever. So I can't see Slot's run lasting, you know, much longer than than JMS's in comparison. Let's let's look back to history a little bit with Bertoni and Jr. You can be my my uh, my historians as you guys always are. Who's the longest run on Amazing Spider-Man? Is it Michelinie? Michelinie. How long did I'm he run? Pretty sure it was Michelinie. Oh, Stanley. Stanley was ten years. He Stanley did a hundred issues. Hundred, oh yeah. And, I mean, and he he did more than a hundred, but he did a hundred straight through. Um, Michelin- Slot's got that beat, but Mi- we're coming yeah, up twice. Yeah, Michelinie's first issue was two ninety. It went from like eighty eight to what? Um, Jr. Well, I'm trying to. I'm I'm saying I to the Clone Saga to the Clone yeah, Saga about ninety three or ninety four. Yeah, I mean Michelini, Stan did like you know like you said a hundred in a row. Then Roy Thomas did a story, and then Stan came back for like another six months yeah. uh, before turning it over to Conway for good, uh, with the exception of the reprinted uh, Richard Ryder story. I'm trying to think of how long Michelini's lasted. I mean, he didn't. He didn't. Now J M D Mateus wrote issue four hundred. Um, I mean, they were very comparable. I think they were very close. I mean, it's it's. Uh, I, I thought it was Michelini, but um, either way, they had very comparable sized runs, and no one's even no, no one has come close to either one of them. Well, well if Con- Conway Slot- has, but not on Amazing. Slot is is in contention to be the longest running. I think. Well, I mean, it really count, feel that way. Are you counting Amazing Spider-Man or different titles because it's not Amazing anymore? Yeah, I'm talking about the monthly main Spider-Man book. Because well, at I'm one point, Conway was doing Web and Spectacular, alternating at the same time. So when does Slot's run? When should we count it? From 2008? I wouldn't count it from B and D because like he would he would do like four issue runs and like Guggenheim, then Wells or Webs or whatever. Yeah, I think if so you're counting it? it by years, you can't count Brand New Day. But if you're counting it by issues, you have to. See, I mean, but that's like. I mean, I, I see what you're saying, but like to me, I, I would just count Big Time because that's when he—that's when his run began. That's like he was the legit was it writer. Big Time 2010, or I think 2010, so. 2010, I the very end of 2010. So we're going on three straight years of slot. Well, and, and don't forget, Slot's doing two issues a month. Yeah, like yeah. what Kevin said. Mm-hmm. Like, like in terms of length, in terms of, like you know actual like like real life length. I don't think he's in the running, really. But like in terms of like issues, he might be because I mean JMS was on for six years, but he did a month, an issue a month. He didn't if that. cheat. So if we if we we come back on this podcast in 2018 when Spider-Man Four comes out, how, how, does anybody think Slot will still be on the book when Spider-Man Four no. comes out? In no. I don't. Uh, think so. I think it's possible. Oh wait, 2018. <laughs> 
Conversely, yes. if Slot still was on the book in 2018, do you think any of us would still be on the podcast? <laughs> if, he, if, he, if he magically got better, sure, but like... Me and JR's brain are still here. <laughs> <laughs> in the insane asylum. In the no, insane no, no, no. Arkham Asylum. Hey. It'll be like no, a TV I'm... show where like some of the old cast members are still there, but there's like new ones like... Uh... I, I think I think Spencer's on the show by now. Stella's back. <laughs> Stella's back, and she's married to one of us. But you know, you, you, you don't, the, the viewer oh, no. doesn't know who. Oh, well, here's, here's the thing. Like, I mean, I have a hard time seeing a big fan stay on Spider-Man like like forever, unless unless their their creative output was so dynamic and so versatile. That, like, you know, because, I mean, I really do think that Floss, he's given Spider-Man some interesting stories and some good stories. But, like, he, I mean, I'm not sure if anybody who loves his run says that he's delivered the classics that, you know, other writers who've had long runs have. I mean, I mean, if nothing else, Michelinie gave us Venom, he gave us Carnage. Like, Slot's given us, like, wacky storylines, and the, and the Duck Hawk thing is, is legendary now. But, like, I don't know if he's like give, has the clout to, like, really be on there for much longer well, than a, a typical writer. You're talking about two different things here. You're talking about... Uh, whether he can have longevity in terms of quality. It has absolutely jack shit to do with quality. It has to do with sales. And Dan Slott has been delivering sales. I mean, he no. com- he's had a an event every summer that's gotten decent sales. Uh, he did the whole Dying Wish thing that got sales, number 700, relaunch with Superior. Uh, every two months, Superior has an issue that is the biggest event ever in history. And so those sell. I mean, Slot's Plastic. not a good writer, but he sells. So, and that's what they're caring about. I suppose. I mean, I mean, but do you think that like there? I mean, I take your point. You're right. But do you think they would judge like 700? Because 700 was the end, quote unquote, end of ASM. Do you think that that means ah, that's sold. That means Slot is everyone loves him, or is that like because of 700? Do you think that that matters to them? I think there's a balance. I think there's uh, 700 is a big buying looking point. Uh, how much do we keep after that? And because, I mean, Dan Slott is, at this point, almost more of a businessman because he's building in all these cash-ins for them. He 700? Okay, we're not going to have any drop-off because we're going to release number one of a brand-new Spider-Man flagship, and he created that. And then a couple of months later, we get uh, number nine, which is the biggest event ever. You have to buy it. And people bought it. And then five issues later, we haven't seen it yet, but number 14 is the biggest event ever. You have to buy it. And then, like, two months later, later, if that, Spider-Man 2099 comes along, you have to buy it. This is what he does. He is, he's almost an editor that is writing the thing. That's why he's the kingpin. (laughs) If If you look back at, if you look back at Slot's run, besides the Ock brain switch, is there another milestone that we're going to be talking about in the next fifty years? Of I mean, like, that's, that's that's sort of like like what I'm trying to think because I mean, Spider Island I don't was think popular, but like Spider Island it was popular. But I don't know if people were saying that was Spider Island, you know, like, like saved my life or, or, or okay, the, the psychic story that like the the fiftieth anniversary story that was hugely hyped up by part two. No one gave two shits. Yeah, Bertoni and and Jr. You're the historians. You know 50 years of Spider-Man history back and forth. What's going to be remembered for Slot's run besides the Sp- Spock? Superior Spock. Yeah, okay, you said aside from Spock. Horizon Labs. Um, I mean, it, it, now what's going to be used after he leaves is one thing, but people remember, oh, yeah, this is the era when Peter was working at Horizon Labs and we had these characters. 
Mm-hmm. I think that I think that that's been um, one of the more significant uh, things of his run. But it's it's hard to judge these runs about what they're going to be remembered for while they're happening. You know, it has to be one of those things when they're over. I mean, we're, we're, we're still in the middle of slot story, so who knows? People, like, ten years from now could be looking back and say, like, Screwball was Dan Slott's greatest legacy. <laughs> so, so really. JR, what's your, what's your opinion? What will Slot be remembered for? Well, I, I, I can't, I mean, what's, I can't say anything now that hasn't already been said. I mean, either this run or Superior or, you know, like uh, Bertoni said, Horizon Labs. That's, you know, the, one of the first times Peter had a real job that ain't lasted any length the time and and he's not done yet uh so it's hard to say but i would concur i i would i would say though by 2018 i don't think he'll be on the title uh only because going back to what kevin said what you know he he, he is delivering in the sales and he you know these events keep coming up and you know they keep popping and they keep selling but eventually that runs out of gas and Mar, you know the way the comic book industry now is when you always have to have you know something big for this quarter's sales or you know the big annual event my guess is slot will have run out of steam by that point in time regardless even though he says he has notebooks full of stuff or marvel will be desperate to you know it's like it doesn't matter whether or not you've given us good business we want something new and fresh you know so i i think i think even if he is doing well he'll fall victim to that uh you know well you've been doing it for years and now we need something new and fresh we need a hero who broods something like that I mean, I, I I look for um, him to be on a, a B-list title after he loses a bit of gas. That sounds bad. But uh, kind of like Conway did with Web of Spider-Man, uh, stuff like that, I, I, I look for him to be around in the future. I do think that, I'm, I do think that Slot wouldn't I, – I, I, that would be interesting, but I can't see Slot like, taking a satellite title after doing Amazing, although he might. I, mean, I'm, I'm, I could if he gets booted from it. I could definitely see him saying, fired. okay, I, I just, if he gets fired or they hire some whiz-bang Joss Whedon or somebody to write the title that he can't compete with, okay. I definitely see a B-list I mean, title. There was a day where it was a lot easier for stuff like that to happen, though, but they've really killed the satellite title, and it makes yeah. it more difficult. You've got you've got team-up, um, but that's, yeah. that's team-up. That's <laughs> something else. Right. Here, that's a nice segue. Let's go to your topic, Kevin. They've announced another satellite title for Spider-Man. <laughs> kind of. um, they've announced... Uh, well, they didn't announce. The writer did. I'm still wondering how they feel yeah. about that. Um, Probably not good. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Parker Spider-Man is returning in uh, October, and it is almost... Uh, I mean, I could almost say for 100% that we're looking at an anthology series of out-of-continuity uh, or, or let's say, like the astonishing continuity light Peter Parker stories. Um, why am I so sure of this? Uh, David Morrell, who wrote First Blood, the original Rambo novel, uh, and also a few years ago wrote a comic book called Captain America the Chosen, which I think two people read, uh, announced that he has... I did. Yeah, okay, that's one. Um, he has a comic book project called Spider-Man Frost, which is a two-part project, and he announced that that's going to be the first two issues of Peter Parker Spider-Man, meaning there's going to be more, meaning he's only doing those two. Uh, and I did my research on this one, and it turns out um, he talked in the end of 2012 on his Facebook page about Spider-Man Frost. What it is, really? is in 2007, when he did The Chosen, uh, 
Marvel asked him to do a two-part Spider-Man story, and he did. Both of the issues of Spider-Man Frost were written in 2007, and the first oh. one uh, was actually drawn in 2007 by Klaus Janssen. But Klaus Janssen had to leave and do other material, and he finally uh, came back to do that one issue that's been languishing for six years, uh, and then that's what's going to come out. So we know, A, it's written by Klaus Janssen, uh, or drawn by Klaus Janssen. B, this is a two-part story that was written in 2007, meaning no, wow. Peter Parker's not coming back. This has screw-all to do with continuity. This is pre-One More Day. Wow. So, I mean, in 2007, obviously, I'm pretty sure they knew One More Day was coming, so it's perfectly likely that... Uh, it was written with Brand New Day continuity in mind, um, but all he says about it, he's, he he goes on all that stuff, and then a very unconnected line at the end, he just says, it'll be a very realistic take. So that's really? all we know. Hmm. Yeah. Well, it, it seems odd to launch a brand new book with uh, uh, that old of, of a story. Well, but I, what that makes me think is Stephen yeah. Wacker looked in his desk and said, good God, I've got a lot of... Peter Parker short-ish stories in this drawer that have nowhere at, that I thought were going to be fill-ins at some point, but we're not publishing Peter Parker right now. I'd like to make some money. Um, <laughs> so I think it's it's basically from what it, I mean. Yes, I'm speculating completely off of just the first story, but if the trend is followed, I think we're looking at an ongoing series of uh, those fill-in stories that you keep in the shelf for a rainy day. Stories like, like the web like point one stuff like that that they did a couple of months ago that frankly sucked, <laughs> or the stuff or the stuff that you put in the back of seven hundred and mm-hmm. six hundred, and Amazing Spider Man Extra. I think basically what we're going to be getting is an ongoing series of that at three ninety nine. That would be my <laughs> speculation, and that is not something I'm going to buy. Hmm. Well, the uh, the I think a Spider Man anthology works here and there. It can. Um, it always has. It al- I mean, it's hot and cold. It it's always very... has seems like a really strong statement, Brad. Yeah. Now, how many that, can that you even name? always works. Well, I, I think web spinners had had good pieces. I, I love the veteran. <laughs> the confidence in those words. Web spinners had good pieces, and it tanked. I think Tangled Web had good pieces, and it tanked. I think Peter Parker's exactly. Spider-Man web, web spinners. had good pieces, and tank. Web spinners had good pieces, like that, like that Mysterio issue with the really bad art that it debuted with. Granted, the very first issue was balls. I'll give uh, that. Yeah, <laughs> I and thought the uh, the DeFalco friends thing at the end, where it was set in the '80s with uh, the Sinister Syndicate, was good. Actually, I just realized I was being too harsh a second ago. I don't want to go ahead and say Peter Parker Spider-Man is going to be shitty pieces because I don't know yet. That was too far. Um, what? I just, there it was a, like a lot of stuff that's not going to matter, and that's really unappealing, especially at the current price points. Yeah. What was the What was the book that had the uh, the Gwen Stacy the day before she died? Uh, <laughs> what's Peter's number one? Web Spinner's number one. That the backup was better than the main story. I I, I would agree. What do you think, Josh? <laughs> if, if you want to hear what I thought about that backup, listen to the flashback episode of Amazing Spider-Man Classics that was done around August or September of 2011. <laughs> or if you don't want to listen to that one, what do you think? <laughs> <laughs> there was a it's, there. It, it's it, it's too much to get into here. It's just basically like every single like. Uh, 
idealizing everything about that era. And, like, the script was like, and then Gwen and I had the most perfect walk. And then we had the most perfect dinner at the Coffee Bean. And, look, everyone was there in their Silver Age Halloween costumes. (laughs) Even even though Harry was tripping drugs at the time and Flash and Gwen weren't talking because he made fun of Peter's ulcer. And and, and then we had the most perfect carriage ride. And then we had the most perfect kiss because everything was always... and Romita Sr.'s drawing it, right? Oh, 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 at the end, Peter has a John Romita Sr. art book that he's looking through. Oh, there you go. I still love that. Um, it's, I'd, I'd have to reread that story, but it's... It, it, I, you obviously I, hate it. I like I, it. I don't hate it. I don't like a lot of things that it represents, and I don't like the message that it was sending to... It's a bad stereotype. There, there was a... Uh, what's, I'm just saying there there's just as many good good anthology Spider-Man stories as there are bad in the in the cluster that have been put out. Well, I've like, you know, heard a lot of examples there, Brad. I think <laughs> that a uh, good what about, what about oh go ahead. Well, I think, I think a good like this is inspiring, but I think a good way to do anthology series like you know for a while and I think they bring this back they had Batman Black and White where it's like this two to three to four page pack up and all and like Batman Detective Comics where various co- creators just come in like write a very small story and if you kind of do it like that I think and not stretch yourself too thin with this you know this need for this ongoing anthology series kind of make it very very loose like you know just a creative fiction kind of uh, short story mindset that's what would make it really work it kind of depends on the format I would imagine well, I think a lot of anthology series kind of live and die on, uh, we have huge talent to draw you in. This is just the hugest talent in the industry right now. And I don't think, I just don't feel like they're going to do that with this book. I mean, I guess I have nothing to base that on except for the fact that we're debuting with a story from 2007. Um, but I, I think if you don't do that, there's very little draw to an anthology series that is, at best, continuity light. An anthology book that's out currently that, I, Kevin, I've heard you praise is Savage Wolverine. Uh, I'm praising the current title, but I didn't buy the first one, and I'm not buying the next one. So what does that tell you? I'm buying three <laughs> issues of it that are awesome. <laughs> <laughs> Sit down. All right. Damn. First of all, I, I'm going to take both of you on at the same time. Hold on. First, Kevin first. Um, <laughs> I think Savage Wolverine has been a good book. Uh, Savage Wolverine guy... launched with an arc of Frank Tr- Frank Cho draws boobs. I can get that on. Hey, Google. I'm I'm sold. All right, on that, I'm sold. Yeah, <laughs> so money. Brad, it's free on Google. <laughs> if all you're looking for is boobies, Google. So yeah, I and that was a five issue arc. So I skipped the it was... crap out of that. Savage Land, boobies and dinosaurs and Wolverine yeah, I, Snick. And that's just Snick. kind of a personal pet peeve too. I hate the Savage Land. I've, I don't think I've ever read no. anything in the Savage Land I've liked. So that's that's me. But also, again, three ninety nine uh, out of continuity slash continuity light. Uh, no story. Five issues. Didn't buy it. This one because it's Zab Wells, Joe Madureira, who did a good job with the first uh, Avenging Spider Man arc. Plus. Uh, it's a Wolverine and Electra team up, which I usually really enjoy. Plus Spider Man, I was really and freaking Pen. sold. And Kingpin, yeah. And Kingpin and Lady Bullseye, all kinds yeah. of stuff. And that's only three issues. Uh, absolutely sold. Next arc though is going to be some kind of a sci-fi future thing, and eh, I'm out again. So I guess that's your problem with an anthology series too, is you might rope somebody for one of them, but you you might have somebody like me that's buying for that story, not for the whole thing. Right. 
There was a good um, Spider-Man story in one of the anthology books. I think it was a revamp of Spider-Man Unlimited done around, like, 2004. And the first issue had... uh, One of the stories was a knockoff of the kid who collected Spider-Man that was really bad. But the other one was um, Slide into Destiny. And it's one of my favorite Spider-Man short stories of all time. It was hilarious. It's uh, the the supervillain Slide. He's having a midlife crisis. There was a, a good one in, I think it was Tangled Web, about uh, a guy working for the Kingpin that was really good. Well, this is the thing. Like, I remember that. Back at Amazing Spider-Man Extra, they did with Brand New Day and mm-hmm. stuff like that. There is an amazing short story here and there, but I yeah. cannot commit that kind of money to a monthly comic for there might be a short story here and there. I, I can't do it. So. I do remember all those titles that came out after Brand New Day, like ASM Extra, ASM Family. And, like, you know, as far as those probably were, the feeling felt really tossed off. It felt like there was really kind of just half-assed, like, I don't know, like, like a Spider-Man variety hour kind of thing. But, but again, just, there were some amazing short stories here and there. Yeah. <laughs> like it, it, it didn't feel like it was, like, you know, legitimately, I don't know, because like, you have Goofy Spider-Man in B&D, you have Goofy Spider-Man in ASM Extra and ASM Family in Web of and Peter Parker. The thing is, though, these books never do well. Like, when they were doing Spider-Man Unlimited and X-Men Unlimited at the same time, they did not sell. And they were both canceled pretty quickly. Amazing Spider-Man Extra was like three issues. They relaunched it as Amazing Spider-Man Family, which did not last. Even Web of Spider-Man... Had reprints in it, too, didn't it? Yeah, yeah Web of Spider-Man was like kind of anthology, but then turned into kind of ongoing. Did not last. Got canceled after 12 issues. They just... They never work. I'm not sure why they're trying. How do, you, how do you make them work, Kevin? What would make an anthology Spider-Man book want you to pick it up? Uh, don't do it. <laughs> That's not the question. How do you make short story Spider-Man books work? Uh, don't do it. <laughs> <laughs> Why? Just you you no. just want on, you want you want ongoing fiction. Tell you what, you, don't you got a great short story. Do what, or if you have a series of great short stories, frickin' DC is charging me three ninety nine an issue for Batman, and they have a main story and a short story yeah. in every single issue, and. I don't feel ripped off. That that's true. I'll give you that. <laughs> I mean, you're already charging me three ninety nine for every issue of Superior Spider Man. Toss me a damn short story, bro. <laughs> um, we haven't heard from Chris or Jr. Anthology books? Do you like them or not? I've never. Um, I've n- honestly, I don't think I've ever went and bought one just because they aren't interested. Interesting to me because for me, it is the sort of ongoing story that keeps me interested um, and I just feel like it's such a gamble with what you're going to get when it's a different writer and a different type of story every single time that I just haven't really been interested JR? (laughs) (laughs) We're only an hour in, buddy I know, it's almost midnight my time Uh, (laughs) No, I I think you've been way too generous in your assessment of anthologies Most of them have been absolute dreck You know, you you can pull out one or two good stories out of your ass And the rest of them suck Uh, (laughs) 
you know, Tangled Web. I mean, yeah, the issue number four with the you know, yeah, Severance Package written by Greg Rucka. That was great. Uh, yeah. Number twenty or twenty-one with the the Beyond Behind the Mustache with with the, the Jonah issue. I think by Zeb Wells. That was a very good one as well. The rest of them sucked. I mean, come on. You know, we talked about we talked about the one with Tombstone where he's using he's greasing his ass up with Vaseline and sticking the scissors up his ass. You know, <laughs> I mean, we we talked this. We talked about that one. I mean, that's that's the typical. You know, that's the typical crap that was in this, there. I remember this that sounds, epic spider history. This sounds like a what if the whole panel turns on Brad? <laughs> what this sounds like. <laughs> well, you know, you're the guy sitting there defending dick reporters. You know, like you know, you, you know, and it's like you know, there ought to be for some for some person turning to their first podcast. You know, you should have had like a disclaimer. You know, oh, full disclosure, I am a reporter for a living. Ah, which you know. <laughs> And I'm a feature. I'm a nice reporter. I'm a feature guy that does the good news. Yeah, <laughs> uh, yeah, yeah. You're, yeah, yeah. You chase. You chase after the guy who sells, you know, Spider-Man, you know, popsicles to kids or whatever, you know. <laughs> You know these these guys these guys in these ice cream trucks that play this really stupid loud music, wanting wanting kids to you know go uh, run to their mom and dads and say, "Mom and dad, would you give me money so I can buy this overpriced popsicle or something?" You know, this is, this is like the if a, a whole panel turned into Don's first episode where they just say, "That's you, Brad." I mean, <laughs> Brad is like trying to trick the popsicle guy into revealing what flavors are coming up. <laughs> He's like, ah, oh, so, so, are are you happy to finally announce your new orange, uh, you know, Tanga drink? Why, why, yes, I am. Yes, I am. Wait a minute, you tricked me, you dick move. Uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, every- right. right, and let's and let's not forget the, you know, oh, I talked to Drew Barrymore. We're birthday buddies. We had the same birthday, you know. <laughs> now, now we're BFFs forever and everything. And you know, I would have been an ET if I'd had hair. You know that kind of thing. So. <laughs> <laughs> Of Brad Douglas. Good God. It is like a roast. Where's Dean Martin? Uh, all right. Let's go around the panel. Anybody buying the anthology book, Peter Parker, Spider-Man? Kevin would be a no, I'm guessing. Nope. Josh, you buying it? I'll check it out. Me too. Uh, Chris? No. Uh, well, well, how about this? I'll, I'll go based on Kevin's recommendations in the Spider Satellites. <laughs> <laughs> Evidently, uh, I guess that satellite w- <laughs> burned to the ground. He's not buying it already. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think you're kind of running, Brad. Um, All right. Well, actually, uh, JR, actually, the same thing I'm doing with Savage Wolverine. If there's a if there's a creative team and a story that grabs me, I'll pick that one up. But I'm not buying it as an ongoing and just taking whatever crap they want to shovel down my throat that month. So David Morell and Klaus Jansen on art, no. 2007, dude. Why am I reading it now? If I haven't needed to read it in six years, I don't need to read it now. So I take it you're not going to read that J. Scott Campbell miniseries whenever it comes out. Uh, Hell no. It oh, didn't even forget about that. I oh, damn. forgot about that. The Jeff Loeb, J. Scott Campbell, infamous Spider-Man mini, huh? That gets advertised as coming out every two years or so. You know, it's never done. How many years have we been doing this podcast? We've never talked about that damn thing. Yeah, yeah we have. I, I don't think we I have. I'm pretty sure when we first started this podcast, that was just coming up. That was the very uh, first topic. Good God, that was our first topic on episode one. Mm-hmm. Jr., you picking up the anthology book based on the creative team? I'm a, I'm burn stealing it first, and then I'll decide whether or not to buy it. All right, Don. I was going to say the exact same thing. I'm, I'm going to John burn steal it and decide. I, I, I probably won't buy it even after that. 
for the new listener, tell tell everybody what a John Byrne steal is. Well, of course, uh, you know, if you go to the John Byrne dictionary and look up the word B for you know Byrne steal, basically uh, reading the reading the book at the shop or bookstore, and you know, basically reading it but not paying for it. That's that's in his mind that's stealing, but in our mind that's you know being practical with your money. Okay, uh, and let's see. We've got another bit of news. Uh, Peter Parker is getting a sister, Don. What the heck? I know. Who, who knows that? Like his parents could give birth, you know, from beyond the grave. As a lame joke. You know, it's a robot sister. <laughs> well, we, we've, we've mentioned him every now and then, but this is the return of uh, this is the great return of Mark Way to Spider-Man. Um, yeah. News Aroma and other places report that like he's going to team up with. Um, Gabriel, how do you pronounce them? The artist's name Gabriel. Gabriela Otto, or uh, Gabriel Diotto? Diotto, that's it. Yeah, it, love his stuff. Yeah, he's that. a fantastic Spider-Man artist, or just artist in general. I love his Spider-Man though. And if you look at the video in like one of the and uh, under the Family Business article, like you can see, like you see some of the motion comic preview of the comic. But basically, uh, Wade and I believe Robinson, is, uh, uh, James Robinson as well, are making this story where like uh, it's a graphic novel where. We're going to learn more about Peter's parents who were in the CIA and read, read AS Manual number five. And um, after 50 years of publication, uh, Peter Parker has a, has a uh, sister, which I may never bother to mention once. And um, it's going to be a mystery and intrigue and espionage. Um, and, I mean, you know, it's pretty much one of these retcons where it's like, how could we never heard about this before? But, yeah, it's a story, so we'll see how it works out. What do you think of the original graphic novel format? The Avengers, they released... Uh, one for Avengers, and uh, they're following the trend that DC did with the JMS Superman book. Well, here's, here's my th- I don't I don't know about that, but here's here's my thing. I am all down for this this uh, this story, this idea. Uh, like again, the art looks fantastic. It really does. Like you know, and the, the idea of Peter Parker's a sister, uh, his parents are spies or whatever. I I, I don't mind. I know people are saying you know, like like oh, it's the worst thing in the world that he has a sister. Who cares? It should be interesting. I do have a reservation with Mark Wade uh, writing Spider-Man because everything I've seen of Mark, I mean, Mark Wade is a fantastic writer. Kingdom Come, Superman, uh, anybody, any, anything at DC, and, and Daredevil as well. His Spider-Man blows, and it's just like the most insulting crap ever. So, like, I, I have reservations of him writing Spider-Man again. But take that out of the equation, and I'm and I'm down for this entire uh, setup. Yeah. I- Granted, Mark Wade's not a fan of the crawl space, but uh, <laughs> I'd like his writing. That's I think his uh, Incredible Hulk and Daredevil are two of the best titles that come out of Marvel every month. Oh, yeah, that and, Spider-Man House of M that he did a few years ago was just a friggin' classic. <laughs> dick move, JR. Dick move. Dick, dick move, JR, yeah. <laughs> the whole reason we're saying dick move is because of this man. So it's like, should we be... Yeah, a- right, Mark, joke, Mark Wade called... Uh, who did he call a dick? JMS. Uh, he called J- JMS. That's right. Yeah, that was a good topic a few <laughs> months ago. Um, Jr., are you picking this one up? Well, it depends. It depends. We were talking about boobs a little while ago. What kind of boobs has she got? You know, what kind of boobs she got? Oh, the sister. <laughs> Ooh. Well, uh, you were you were uh, you were asking if I was going to pick something up, and I was trying to make a, a extremely p- joke in poor taste about picking a woman up. But anyway, forget it. Oh. Uh, 
Uh, I, probably, I probably won't buy it. No, I mean, like I said, I'll burn steel at first, but I probably won't buy it because I don't buy a lot of this one-shot shit anymore. And uh, but but I don't care that you know the sister thing doesn't bother me because Spider-Man is has been a soap opera, and you know two of the tropes, two you know the tropes of soap operas are people coming back from the dead and yeah. long lost and un- previously unknown relatives. So it's uh, you know that's par for the course. Did you guys watch you the guys- video uh, that had the preview of this? Yeah. I did. Now you guys bitch about three ninety nine. This thing's gonna be like nineteen ninety nine. It's gonna be hardcover and it's gonna be what? I I'm just basing this on the uh the, the amount of pages that was in that Avengers book. Um Well then the answer so this, to what it up is gonna be a hell no. This is a, this is, is a uh like buying a trade essentially. This is like a twenty dollar trade buy. If 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 anybody else would way we're writing it, like then then I might because like I mean like I really, really, really don't like his Spider-Man, but like everything else has me sold, so I'm conflicted. Yeah. Any? What? what open it up to the group. Tony, we haven't heard from you in a while. Uh, the trailer was really, really stupid. Where like he falls into <laughs> like an already moving car, and she's like, "Hi, I'm Teresa Parker. I'm your sister." And conversations don't happen that way. Um, that that's like a really, really, really bad like '80s or '70s action movie. <laughs> it, the, the dialogue didn't seem realistic. The, the trailer wasn't very encouraging, but I'll, I'll, I'll check it out. But when they say, you know, this is, you know, going to be a big status quo changer, Peter Parker's sister, oh, by the way, it takes place before Amazing 700. Well, thank you. You just, you know, you, by saying it takes place before 700, you just pretty much told us that nothing of consequence is going to happen of this at all, which that doesn't necessarily mean that the story's going to suck. You can have a good story. It doesn't mean that something of consequence has to happen, but just don't pretend otherwise. Right. And I don't know, have you guys read any of the prose Spider-Man books from the late 90s? Not since the late early 90s. 2000s. I read, I've had this vague memory of one that had like Venom in it and then there were like South American terrorists or something. The Venom Factor. The Venom Factor by Dwayne Dunn. All right, yeah, I, I, I read. Or Diane Twain. I read that one. That was the very first one. That was the one that launched the the prose novel. I heard in the background Kevin say the word "suck." So, <laughs> yeah, Kevin you didn't like that one. I liked it back in the nineties. When I when I was younger, I fir- I read one called Current in New York," which oh, that one's more. I liked that one. Uh, and oh, then, <laughs> and then I picked up the Venom Factor and, and I liked that one. Yeah, I didn't make it halfway through. It sucked so hard. Oh, now three of the best books that came out of the prose novels, involved Spider-Man's sister. What? And not, not many people know about this. Her name was not revealed, but she went by codename Pity. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> no, no, Adam Troy Castro wrote the, it's a trilogy, it's called The Gathering of the Sinister Sex, and it was outstanding. And just a great, great... Was she legitimately a sister? No. Well, I'd have to reveal that. We said no. So. Same writer as The Venom Factor? No, different writer. Okay, good. And here, uh, here's a picture of her. I actually had it on the front page. And, okay, that's just uh, like a ghost. Yeah, it's secret. Jr., did you read the Gathering of the Sinister Six back in the back in the day? No. No. Did anybody read this book? Am I the only one? What year was it again? I probably was in grade school, man. Late late nineties. Late nineties. Clone Saga era. Yeah, I mean, I was early... in grade school when I read those two books, but I, the Venom Factor made me decide that Spider-Man books sucked, and I never read another one again. Well, anyway, I highly recommend all three of those books. Who, who's eating something? What's going on? Popping, who, who's... Popping their collars. 
<laughs> Popping bottles. Uh, <laughs> <It's Friday. laughs> well, somebody, somebody listening, I'm sure, read these books and would agree that. I mean, very I feel like I've seen this before, but like I've never actually like this one. I know I didn't. I read the Benefactor. I read one other one, but I didn't read this one. I, I, I knew about uh, the sister just through fandom osmosis. I think JR I think JR even mentioned her in one of his articles like ages ago. You did JR? Mm, no sister, not that I recall. Hmm. I think okay. he's a really shitty villain name. <laughs> I feel Spider Man Spiderfan.org probably has more information about it. That's I used to I read I, I used to try to read the Spider Man novels. I liked them most for the most part. Uh, let's see. Other bit of news. Ah, Chris, you've got this one. Uh, it involves hundred. If you have a hundred thousand dollars, you can get a little bit of spider history. Yeah. So, but that's they are <laughs> uh, an an individual by the name of Dive Baja has an eBay auction. I'm sorry. Okay. <laughs> Well, well, Dive Dive Baja has an eBay auction for a metal printing plate for the cover of Amazing Spider-Man 252. That issue is the first appearance of the Black Spider-Man costume, correct? Yes. Uh, Yeah, and his his asking price is $100,000, but he is open to offers as well, and he is particularly interested in trades, and he listed some things that he would be willing to trade this printing plate for, and his suggested trades are 101-ounce U.S. Gold Eagles, a 2012 or newer Maserati Gran Turismo. <laughs> awesome. Or, or a seat on an upcoming Virgin Galactic space flight. <laughs> so... What you what you get when when you give up your seat on a, a spaceship? Or, here's this is what you get, or a hundred grand, or best offer. Um, you get a you get a metal you get a metal plate that Marvel apparently used to press the covers for the issue, and you get yeah. a custom case for it. And he even throws in a copy of the issue. So the go. plate features art by I believe Ron Friends. Right, he did that cover, didn't yep. he? Um, think, and uh, but also very cool. The plate also includes the back cover, which, if you can read backwards, you will see, see is an advertisement for the video game Frogger. So both Spider-Man <laughs> fans and Frogger fans have a reason to bid on this, and it, it, it's a piece of history on more ways than one. Epic delivery on that, yeah. by the way. Uh, oh, yeah. By the way, a lot of people are interested in this. Four people have submitted offers, and they've all been declined. Well, yeah, because they, they were Maserati Gran Turismo's from before 2012. <laughs> <laughs> Dive Baja says no. Yeah. Here's the question. What is a U.S. Gold Eagle? I'm not, I, I knew what everything else was. What's a Gold Eagle? Old statue? Pretty sure it's an eagle made of gold there, Brad. Uh, no, it's. A, I, th- I think it's like currency. It's a but one ounce. They're one ounces, so I'm guessing like gold coins or something. I don't, I know. don't know what. A, apparently, each one of them's worth a thousand bucks because he wants a hundred of them. Oh, okay. Here we go. They are. They're gold coins. Yeah. That's exactly what they are. He wants. How many does he want of them? Let's see. A hundred. He wants a hundred of them. Oh, all right. Um, <laughs> Maniac. Open it. Open it up to the panel. What do you guys think of this well, eBay? 
Well, this is the like the second month in a row we've had weird eBay stories. Yeah, yeah. I wanted to. Give, I actually wanted to give my my and actual it. thoughts on this. Um, but yeah. and I'll preface this by saying that I'm not really a, much of a collector, and my in, my interest in comics is in the stories and accumulating collectibles has never been part of it for me. So coming from that perspective, I think it's a cool item. But his asking price is obviously absurd, and anyone who pays that amount of money is uh, it's it's essentially a really big stamp. And if you yep. if you pay a hundred thousand bucks for that, like, can you imagine if if I ever have kids, I'm not going to tell them that they can't go to college because Daddy traded his Maserati for a Frogger stamp. It's a goddamn stamp. <laughs> Absurd auction. Uh, I tell you what, if you can afford $100,000 for, as Chris says, a goddamn stamp, um, <laughs> why don't you just uh, get, become a patron and pay my goddamn student loans because you can oh. do it with that. Oh, unbelievable. And frankly, I guess I'm too much in the quote-unquote 99% to have realized that we have $1,000 coins in the U.S. Never heard of them. Me neither. <laughs> There's a $1,000 coin. I'll be looking through my couch cushions later. I never considered the idea that like something like a printing plate for a comic book actually exists. Like this is a kind of news to me in terms of like eighties technology. I, I agree. I, I did. I wonder if there's printing plates now for comics. I don't know how they're produced. Well, I, I, I really I did, more more so digital. I mean, obviously they got to be a hard copy, but like I imagine that like I, I print. I really don't know. I, I can't say I do. I mean, a lot of art is created digitally these days, so you've got to be able to just print it. Yeah, exactly. Well, yeah, like a uh, of, like a desktop printer, only yeah, on a bigger scale. Actually, making the comic book is is no is no more difficult than making a brochure or a uh, program for your average college graduation. Yeah, you you have printing services that specialize in printing and stapling and whatnot. I mean, all the you know comic book pros are tweeting all the time. The issues off to the printers, so they just it's it's like a fucking FedEx Kinkos, and I apologize for that f bomb I just dropped without thinking about it. <laughs> what about that? What about that K-bomb? Kinko's? I'm just kidding. <laughs> First of all, a second. I was like, what did I just it's say? Like a curse word, doesn't it? Go Kinko yourself. It looks Only like a television that... you like, say like that sounds like a curse word, Brad. <laughs> okay, what were you saying, Don? It, is, it looks like, to me, it's like, like a, like a uh, television that, like, you know, he kind of painted on. It does look like a black and white television. JR, your two cents on a hundred grand. I'm not even going to give my two cents. It's not even worth that. <laughs> What would here? What would a fair price be for this thing? I I I have no I have no point of reference. So I don't either. I I think a I think a thousand dollars is too much for this thing. Fifty bucks. Fifty bucks. What the heck are you going to do with it? I mean, it doesn't it doesn't even look like it's something you want to put on a shelf and say, oh look how cool that is. You know, I mean, I. (laughs) I can already I can already see the women walking out of the bedroom. (laughs) (laughs) Look at my my Amazing Spider-Man 252 Pretty Play backwards I'm gone 
Does anybody have long boxes in their bedroom? That's kind of a personal question. Uh, yes, I, uh, yeah, yes, I do. Yeah, I, yeah. I did. I did back in my bachelor pad. I'll admit. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's the apartment. It's you know, I got a living room, and the other bedroom belongs to another guy, and then I've got my bedroom. So it's the only place that I can put them. And has it ever scared any women out? Yes and by, no. By the time by the time by the time they got to the bedroom, they were well aware of the comics. <laughs> I mean, don't I, we I, use I, them as furniture? I mean, wasn't that? A, <laughs> they knew the risks. What, what wasn't that a topic of a podcast some time ago? Using them as yeah, furniture. That, that, that's the Image true. Entertainment Center. Yeah, the, <laughs> I have to share. I I don't go to my lo- I I go to my local comic shop maybe once every two months, and I and I heard a similar story, and I'm going to share it with you all now. Uh, the the owner of the shop was talking about uh, his brother, who collects uh, Star Wars figures, and he had he had a whole wall in his bedroom just. Uh, lined with Star Wars figures. And he gets a girl back there and she's obviously there for one thing, you know, and she and right. so he's got a he's got a green light for he's like this is going to happen. So the 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 gal walks into the bedroom and looks at the Star Wars figures and goes, "Oh my gosh, I love Star Wars too." And he was like, "Oh yeah." And he goes, he goes, "What's your favorite character?" And she goes, "Jar Jar Binks." <laughs> and smash, smash cut to her getting a cab to go home. And and he looked at her and said, "Yeah, you just got to go." <laughs> <laughs> so he 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 kicked her out of the bedroom because she likes charge our banks. Let's just say the fact that you overheard that at a comic shop makes me question its authenticity. <laughs> Take that, Lucas. Uh, what if um, it's the comic yeah. shop that told? Or he, he's the one that told it to me. That's yeah, still. Still, you don't believe it? You uh, the bet. Never, be, I mean, never be so devoted to fandom that you're going to turn down physical relations because of Jar Jar Binks. Jar Jar Binks <laughs> isn't real. The woman in front of you is real. Okay, let's, work, guys. let's be fair, though, Josh. Stupid is real. <laughs> Sometimes you just don't want to mess with Oh, that's served right back at you, Josh. <laughs> That's going to be in the funny crawl space uh, topic. Oh, stupid! I was actually just thinking that uh, I can already see the women walking out of the bedroom is going to be in somebody's signature within a week of this episode coming out. <laughs> Write that down, Hornacek. <laughs> That's right. We're talking to you. <laughs> Shout out, quote us, baby, quote, quote, quote. Um, here's oh, here's another. I, I I randomly like to do this because it brings funny. Uh, crawl space criminal talk. Uh, no, no, the, I'm adding another topic real quick. The uh, I like to go to eBay and I like to type in Spider-Man and sort it by the most expensive. And currently, that printing press is the number one. Uh, farther down on the list is going for fifteen thousand dollars. Holy remember, crap! Yeah, fifteen thousand uh, dollars. Remember Epi- uh, Amazing Spider-Man six six six, which is the it's sign of nothing. Epi- yeah. <laughs> anyway, they they evidently produced 140 variants, and this is where uh, you, uh, if you're a comic shop or whoever, you could get your your uh, image of your store on the front of the book, or Spider-Man is reading a newspaper. Graham Crackers Comics? Seriously? Yeah, that's the name. Anyway, this eBay auctioneer uh, by the name of the Comics Newsstand has all 140 variants of it, of what was actually on the cover of that issue. And if you'd like to have every single variant, 15 grand. What do you guys think of that? Oh. There's a random 667 uh, put in there, too, as an extra. 
Yeah, oh, it is. Complete collection, all 140 variants, plus others. And it's that plus others that uh, really gets the extra $14,500 out of you. <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully, one of those others is Action Comics number one. Oh, oh good fortune. But <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's, anyway, it's the new 52 version. Anyway, <laughs> that, that's for the Spider-Man collector... That's for the, uh, the dumbass. <laughs> <laughs> I'm really, really, really sorry, Kevin. I, this was going to be a surprise, but a bunch of the other guys and us, we pulled together, and we had exactly $15,000 to pay off your student loans. But by gosh, um, I, I, I just paid for this with my PayPal account, so I'm kind of committed. So okay, you, well, you're, you're good off, with working for the rest of your life, right? First off, let's be real. Um, in real life, $15,000 literally would not pay a quarter of my student loans. But oh, go on. Damn. <laughs> damn, son, damn. Yeah. Wouldn't it be nice just to say you're searching through eBay one day and you're like, hmm, 15 grand, 100 and some odd variants sold? Yeah. Wouldn't that be yeah. nice? I noticed there Wouldn't is nice? one offer in the history, but it expired. Well, Bertoni was only going to give him a hundred bucks, and he declined it. <laughs> this is the first time I've seen that, like a Humberto Ramos lizard variant. Though. I don't think I've ever seen that before. Yeah, that, that you could put your logo on the banner that's falling or something like that. Are we done with news? I think that's no, no, no. We got one spider criminal. Oh, for the love Every, of what? We have a <laughs> we have a spider criminal. Uh, who's got the spider criminal? Uh, let me see. All right, no, no, guys, no. it is Spider News episode three. How you doing? <laughs> Wait a minute, where, where the hell did the spider criminal go? I'm looking at there him. Was, there time. wasn't a spider criminal in no, the this guy like, like, like Oh, JR's got this one. JR, tell me about the, the uh, spider I was hoping you'd forget. <laughs> Jeez. You know, why, why don't we just make this a regular feature called spider morons? You know? <laughs> I mean, you know, last month, last month we had the drunken idiot in Australia dressed as Spider-Man, and you know, previously we had you know Spider-Man throwing snowballs at housewives or getting hit with snowballs or, you know, and fighting in Times Square or whatever. But anyway, this 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 story here, <laughs> Cambridge, Cambridge City, Indiana. Oh my God, it was a you know, it's. Now it's the Hoosiers, you know, who are doing uh, my name, my my people, you know. Anyway, yeah. these three morons who are identified as Spidey and friends by whoever wrote this story, who's got a sense of humor, they decide to bust it into a high school and steal three large screen TVs. One moron has a Spider-Man mask and no shirt, you know. <laughs> Uh, that'll turn, you know, that'll drive the ladies wild. Anyway, so of course these dumbasses were caught on surveillance, and within tw within 20 minutes, uh, you know, uh, they had this people called in and, and told them who the, the cops, who the guys were. You know, I don't know, maybe somebody recognized Spidey's pecs. You know, maybe they just, you know, so. Hey, I've been to his house. He has long boxes in the bedroom. I know that guy. Yeah, he's a tramp stamp. <laughs> It just, I mean, you know, call Spidey and friends swipe three TVs. Call Cambridge City Police if you know Spidey's identity. You know, yeah. and then, and and then, actually, the next story. Actually, there's another story that George added as well, where a guy in a black Spider-Man costume beat up a, a night clerk uh, in a hotel. Yeah, <laughs> you know, which is a little bit more of a, ser a serious story. But uh, anyway, yeah. We, uh, and, you know, we spider honestly, criminals, spider morons in the news. 
We honestly could do this segment every single month. We do. We could. (laughs) Or... No, I mean, there really, somebody mugs somebody, somebody robs somebody, somebody goes to Hollywood and assaults somebody, steals their money in a Spider-Man mask every single month. Yeah, Spider-Man knocks over a 90-year-old guy carrying $6,000 in proceeds, you know. I, I, the reason I like it, I think it adds, it, it's it's funny. I mean, it's just... It does make Spider-Man fans look really, really shifty. Well, I mean, a Spider-Man mask is fairly easy to come by. I mean, it's in almost in every store. I have a Cars mask. I could, I could, I could commit crimes. There you go. Yeah, we're all you know, Spider-Man fan. We're all Spider-Man fans. So let's let's profile people who make us look bad. <laughs> <laughs> like the guy selling it for a hundred thousand dollars on eBay. Yeah, that's not making us look good either. Um, last last news topic. Kevin, are you ready to applaud? Uh, not yet. All right. Uh, who's got this one? This is uh, Bertoni. One of my all-time favorite Spider-Man artists is returning for a brief appearance. Tell me a bit about this. Well, yeah, but but he forgot to the hyphen. Um, at, at least um, what? At least the website. Yeah, uh, yeah. It's D-backs give back, which is uh, I'm guessing it's from what I've gathered from your write-up and from the website. It's some sort of a baseball-esque charity where they're decorating these home plates and selling them for charity. And one of the home plates that they are selling is a Todd McFarlane uh, Spider-Man Doom 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 Doom, and it says "Go D back." On the side, it says "P.S. Where's Brandon Webb?" I, I, I don't get that reference. We're not sports guys. I imagine it's sports related. <laughs> yep, I guess. We are holding up the stereotype. Okay. Comic book people. Um, we have no original. Idea original drawing of Spider-Man, no hyphen, including Mr. McFarlane's. Own creation, spaghetti webbing. Has, has have we have, have I ever heard it referred to as that before? Spaghetti webbing. Uh, yeah, I have. Yeah, he he created the sp- spaghetti webbing. Okay, McFarlane became a comic book superstar in the '80s for his work on the Spider Man franchise. Before he created the widely popular Spawn comic, and that could be yours for a more reasonable eight hundred and twenty-five dollars. Which you know, or or you can you know trade it in for a flight to space or um, a, a Niazza. <laughs> A, a 1992 Honda Civic, whatever. I'd rather have. I'd. Re, I think it's a better buy to buy a McFarlane home plate than it is to buy that printing for us. I don't know. Uh, it's a lot of money though. <laughs> Eight twenty-five is more in my range than a hundred thou. I'll tell you right now. <laughs> yeah, I just don't really understand. I mean, I get the charity thing, but I don't understand and specifically the appeal of Todd McFarlane drawing Spider-Man on a home plate. Like, put him on a piece of paper for me, bro. Well, no, that's it's it's well, it's a baseball charity, so they that's why they do it. Yeah, but I, it's Spider Man. It's a baseball charity. Okay, we're talking about a Spider Man picture. Give it to me something that I can frame. You can frame that. You could frame a home plate. It ain't I hanging on my wall. <laughs> it's a sports thing. You wouldn't understand. Yeah, it is a sports thing. I I agree. Yeah, but, but it's also a Spider Man thing now. This is my point. <laughs> <laughs> Kevin is not buying a hundred thousand dollar printing press, nor is he buying a home plate, nor is he buying an anthology book. Of <laughs> he barely buys Superior Spider-Man. <laughs> Parting Kevin with his money is tough. It's a tough sell because I'm I don't you. have any. <laughs> Poor anyway, student with lots of student loans. What do I, I have to say to you, Brad? Uh, no, I'm getting it. I'm getting it. Uh, also, uh, uh, McFarlane hasn't drawn Spider-Man since that Heroes Initiative 
uh, cover that was uh, auctioned for charity, I think. That was uh, like a few years ago. I remember that. that. Yeah. And before that, it was 1991 with Spider-Man 16 with that god-awful crossover with X-Force and Rob Liefeld. That was the last time McFarlane drew Spider-Man. And McFarlane is one of my all-time favorite Spider-Man pencilers, not writers. <laughs> but am I the lone person that is a big McFarlane fan? On the, on the I like panel. I like I like uh, the way he draws because like people don't really draw Spider Man the way that McFarlane kind of did because I, I think there was definitely a way to kind of ape his style in the nineties like he kind of has him be very tall and muscular but that play really puts into like like notice like he he has a Superman kind of jaw in that that home plate which I don't think he usually drew him as but uh I, I, I genuinely like like McFarlane I, I I don't I didn't like his Peter and Mary Jane but I like the Spider Man. I just never liked the aesthetic of his art, personally. I mean, I'm not saying he's a bad artist. It just didn't appeal to me. Bertone and JR, what did you think? It was of its time, It's um, but you look at it now, and it, it's very much like a period piece. But I, I enjoyed it, but it wasn't my favorite. JR, did you like McFarlane? No. No? No, because when I went back to the back issues, to buy back issues, his were always more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> The reason being, a lot of people liked it. Hence the price and the demand went up. Well, I don't care. <laughs> I just don't want it costing me money. When you cost me money, you piss me off. Why did you... I, you, you were not buying Spider-Man in the late 80s, early 90s? No, no, I've, I've quit any number of times. I mean, so that, that, was a, that, was, a that was during one of my times that I had quit, you know, all the McFarlane stuff, so... What, did you quit before McFarlane, yes. or...? What, what, what year did you quit? Marriage. Uh, <laughs> mine or his? Yeah, actually, I quit during the Denny O'Neill era, came back when Roger Stern was writing it, uh, left again when the Hobgoblin mystery was just absolutely going nowhere. Uh, you know, then, uh, God, I think I skipped most of the 300, started reading again during the Clone Saga, and then we all know what happened after that. So, <laughs> Chris, did you like McFarlane, or were you reading back then? Well, I've, I've read a number of the back issues, um, yeah. but I, I think his art is, is okay. I enjoy his the way Spider-Man looks, but I think the people look a little funny to me. Um, you know, I appreciate his contribution to the way the webs were drawn and everything, but he's never been one of my favorites. He's one of my top five Spider-Man arts of all time. I, I, I need to interview him on this show. Yeah, good luck. Sure. That, that would be a good... He Actually, this year on my Facebook, wished me a happy birthday. He was at a... Um, when Josh... And I, when I went to Comic-Con for the first time in 2011, Josh was at a panel where I needed to borrow his iPhone. And it was a panel with like Stanley, Tom McFarlane, and like this Japanese pop star guy. They kind of together, <laughs> chilling out. That'd be great. You know, speaking of somebody that would pay a hundred thousand dollars for that printing press thing, he paid a million dollars for some balls. Yeah, baseball, right? It's better than right. baseball. <laughs> I thought that was context. That whose ball was it? Barry? I'm not a sports guy. It was uh, the guy that did steroids. That the which one? Barry that doesn't neck down either. Barry Bonds, is that right? Either that or Mark. I thought he bought Mark McGuire for uh, yeah, no, home run number 62. Like one was a million dollar ball, I remember. Yeah. 
and we'll wrap up this second show for July. Before we go, I want to let you know I'm looking for a new sponsor. If you'd like your product to be heard by hundreds of thousands of people each month, send me an email at crawlspacemail at gmail.com. I can give you audience stats and pricing information. Again, it's crawlspacemail at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, gang. I'm your host and webmaster, Brad Douglas, for the SpiderManCrawlspace.com. Thank you.